Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 150. And I just want to say it is my desire as we go through God's Word that every day that you tune into the Word Encounter, that there will be a word that God would have for you on that day, at that time, for your particular circumstances. I believe that the Word is so pregnant with revelation that whenever we refer to it, there is something there that is there for us um, to ingest, to digest, in order to uh, assist and help us as we navigate this thing called life. And so with that, let's continue on with chapter 45 of Jeremiah. And the section title says, The Lord's Message to Baruch. And remember, Baruch was the scribe that Jeremiah had dictated um, uh, his prophecies to in order to give to the king of, um, of Judah, which was Zedekiah. And so it says in verse 2, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Barak. It says in verse 3, you have said, woe is me, because the Lord has added misery to my pain. <laughs> the Lord has added misery to my pain. Isn't pain misery? So he's like, you know, I'm double dipping in pain, essentially. I am worn out uh, with groaning and have found no rest. It says then, this is what you are to say to him. This is what the Lord says. I have built uh, what I have built. I am about to demolish and what I have planted. I am about to uproot the whole land. But as for you. And so he's talking to Barak. But as for you, do you pursue great things for yourself? Hmm. There's no indication in the word that he did. But the Lord must know something here. He says, do you pursue great things for yourself? Stop pursuing for I'm about to bring disaster on all humanity. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord says, but I will grant you your life like the spoils of war wherever you go. In other words, the Lord is telling uh, Baruch, whatever you're striving for, stop, because I'm, I'm about to uproot everything. But wherever you go, I'm going to be watching over you and you are going to live. And so essentially stop your despair. Stop thinking that, you know, <clears throat> Uh, that you are woeful and that you're in pain and misery, you know, because I am watching out for you because you have done what I uh, asked you to do with my prophet Jeremiah. And so let's go to chapter 46. It says prophecies against the nations. Now from chapter 46 to chapter 50, the Lord is, de uh, is delivering a series of prophecies to the nations through Jeremiah. And so uh, that's what we're going to be uh, covering. So first up is Egypt. It says prophecies against Egypt. And we, uh, where are we? We're at chapter 46, prophecies against Egypt. Let's drop down to verse 8. It says, Egypt rises like the Nile, and its waters turn like rivers. He boasts, I will go up, I will cover the earth, I will destroy cities with their residents. And so this is what the Lord has against Egypt. Egypt is proud. Egypt is saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up uh, to the earth and I'm going to destroy cities and their residents. And so let's drop down to verse uh, 10. And it says, that day belongs to the Lord, the God, the God of armies, a day of vengeance to avenge himself against his adversaries. The sword will devour uh, and be satisfied. It will drink its full of their blood because uh, because it will be a sacrifice to the Lord, the God of armies in the northern land by the Euphrates River. And so he's basically prophesying that Egypt, you're going to meet your doom from the north. 
And it says in verse 13, it says, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord spoke to prophet Jeremiah about the coming of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to defeat the land of Egypt. It says in verse 14, announce it in Egypt and proclaim it in Migdal, proclaim it in Memphis uh, and say this, take positions, prepare yourself for the sword devours all around you. And so we're going to drop down to uh, verse 19. It says, get your bags ready for exile, inhabitant of daughter Egypt, for Memphis will become a desolation, uninhabited in ruins. You know, it'll be an uninhabited ruin is what's going to happen to the city of Memphis, a great city in Egypt. And so uh, we see here in verse 24, it says, daughter of Egypt will be put to shame, handed over to a northern people. And in verse 26, it says, I will hand them over to those who intend to take their lives to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his officials. But this is interesting. It says, but after this, Egypt will be inhabited again as in ancient times. This is the Lord's declaration. So the Lord is telling Egypt, I'm going to bring disaster on you from the north in the form of my, of my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. But after this takes place, you will be inhabited again. I'm not going to wipe you off the face of the earth. You know, this is a time of discipline, a season of discipline for your arrogance and for um, your haughtiness, just thinking more of yourself than you ought. You know, you, you're basically thinking of yourselves as gods. We can't have that. And so this is what the fate of Israel, or excuse me, of Egypt was to be. Let's go on to chapter 47. It says prophecies against the Philistines. In verse 1, this is the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah about the Philistines before Pharaoh uh, defeated Gaza. Verse 2, this is what the Lord says. What does he say? He says, look, water is rising from the north, again referring to Babylon, and becoming an overflowing wadi. It will overflow the land and everything in it. The cities and their inhabitants, the people will cry out, and every inhabitant of the land will well. In verse 3, it says, At the sound of the stomping hooves of his stallions, the rumbling of his chariots, and the clatter of their wheels, father will not, fathers will not turn back for their sons. They will be utterly helpless. In other words, he's saying that these, these, these stormtroopers from the north, from Babylon, are going to ride down. There's going to be so much noise and thunder coming with them. Fathers are going to be terrified. They're going to flee. They're not going to turn back for their sons because they're going to feel like that they can't do anything anyway. So they're going to be abandoning children running away from the Babylonians. It says in verse 4, uh, they will be utterly helpless on account of the day that is coming to destroy all the Philistines. It says uh, to cut off from Tyre and Sidon every remaining ally. Indeed, the Lord is about to destroy the Philistines. And so we see that the Philistines are going to run into here. And the Philistines were always in conflict with the Israelites, always uh, trying to capture lands, always, always, always. And so we see here, I mean, Goliath was a Philistine, right? And so we see here that the Lord is pronouncing judgment on them. And so... Let's go on. Let's see. Let's go on to chapter 48. And it says prophecies against Moab. Now, we have to remember that Moab, the Moabites were descendants of Lot, right? So Lot was uh, Abraham's nephew. You know, they went to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and then they had to flee Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, you know, Lot, his wife and his family, the Lord told them, don't look back. Lot's, Lot's wife looked back. She was turned to a pillar of salt. And so uh, the Moabites are descendants of Lot. 
And so it says in verse or chapter 48, verse 1, about Moab, this is, the, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Let's drop down to verse 10. What does he say? He says, uh, the one who does the Lord's business deceitfully is cursed. I mean, we could, we, we could preach days on this, <laughs> you know, the one who does the Lord's business deceitfully is cursed. But the next sentence says this, or the next part says this, and the one who withholds his sword from bloodshed is cursed. So this is a word uh, to the Babylonians. It says, look, I have assigned you to go deal with, my, with the people, the Moabites, and so the one who withholds my judgment on them, the one who withholds his sword from bloodshed, you're going to be cursed. In other words, you're going to be cursed if you don't do what I tell you to do. You know, that's a harsh word, right? If you don't go and if you don't wipe these people out the way I'm telling you to wipe them out, then you're going to be cursed. So the Lord is telling them, don't withhold yourself from shedding blood because these people are guilty. And this is my judgment. This is my verdict. Take care of my verdict. So we're going to go all the way down here uh, to verse 26 because he, there's a, a lot of verses here that goes into what is to happen to the, to the Moabite people. And in verse 26, it says, um, make him drunk because he has exalted himself against the Lord. So he's talking about the Moabites. Make him drunk. And this is a part of the reason why I'm coming against them. Make, make them drunk because they have exalted themselves against the Lord. Moab will wallow in his own vomit. And he will also become a laughingstock. And so we see that from all of the terror that they brought, and they should have been, you know, somewhat allies of Israel, but they weren't. It says, because of all of this, you will wallow in your own vomit and you will become a laughingstock. That's, uh, that's pretty harsh. Then it's, let's go all the way down to verse 42, and it says, Moab will be destroyed as a people because he has exalted himself against the Lord. Panic, pit, and trap await you, resident of Moab. This is the Lord's declaration. In other words, you're not going to escape. <laughs> I'm going to induce panic in the people. There are going to be pits and traps. Wherever you turn, you're going to fall. You can't get away. This is my declaration. But in verse 47, like the Egyptians, this is what he tells the Moabites. He says, yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the last days. Now, in the last days, does that mean the last days is in the second coming of Jesus? And Could be. I, I really don't know. But it says, yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the last days. And so he's going to discipline Moab. He's going to make Moab pay uh, for their atrocities and whatnot. But he also says that he's going to restore them in the last, in, he's going to restore them in his timing, in his own timing. I'll put it that way. We don't know what that timing is, but this is what is the, uh, what's in store for the Moabites. And it says, this is the Lord's declaration. The judgment on Moab ends here. And then let's go to chapter 49. And we see in chapter 49, it says, Prophecies against Ammon. Okay, now uh, the Ammonites were cousins of the Moabites, uh, but they had a big issue, see. The Ammonites worshiped Molech. And if you recall, Molech is the god that required uh, child sacrifices 
And so the Israelites would take their children uh, to the God of Moab on the hilltop, and they would sacrifice their children to Moab. Now, the only thing I can think of uh, with regard to what the promise was, I I would think it had to do something with um, eternal life or or extended life or something like that. You know, you sacrifice your children to me, then you will have a longer life or it could be fertility. Uh, I don't I don't really know what the promise was, but regardless of what it was, it involved the sacrifice of children. And that was detestable to the Lord, absolutely detestable. And so, and I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying this until people hear what the deal is. The Lord is really coming down uh, on, and we see throughout the word, you know, how he feels about this issue with regard to child sacrifice, you know, to some God for some reason. I'll say this again. The majority of cases of abortion in this country, and by extension probably in the world, are due to a feeling that this is not the right time, this is an inconvenient time, I can't have a baby now, you know, so on and so forth. This is, I did not want this, I did not plan this, I don't. And so that baby gets terminated. That is a sacrifice, in my opinion, to the God of convenience. You are sacrificing a life, sacrificing a real human life because It's not a good time for you. I will say it again. If you don't want to have a baby, don't get pregnant. If you do get pregnant, you know, and I'm not just talking to the females out there. I'm talking to the males as well. This takes two to tango. If you do get uh, pregnant, that is a human life. A human life. If the decision is made to terminate that life, it's being terminated for another God. It's being terminated for some other reason that you are holding above God. It's not right. It's not right. And of course, there are exceptions. Of course, we're talking about medical issues and, 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 you know, things like uh, rape, incest. But this is like less than 1%. 99% of what's happening out there are uh, abortions, uh, um, abortions as contraception. It's about convenience. It has nothing to do with any, with any a crime that was committed. It has nothing to do with any kind of medical situation or emergency. It has to do with convenience or lack of convenience, and therefore this life has to be terminated. Now that is the fact. Chapter 49, Prophecies Against Ammon. It says in verse 2, what does it say in verse 2? It says, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will make the shout of the battle heard against Rabbah of the Ammonites, that was the city, uh, it will become a desolate mound and its surrounding villages will be set on fire. Israel will dispossess their dispossessors, says the Lord. And so the Lord is saying, look, the days are coming (laughs) when a battle cry will be heard by the Ammonites, uh, the Ammonites, and um, things will be desolate. Things will be destroyed. And so uh, let's go. Yes. Wait a minute. Let me 
make sure I don't get myself lost here. And then it says, uh, look, see verse five it says, look, I'm about to bring terror on you. This is the declaration of the Lord, a uh, God of armies for all those around you. You will be banished each person headlong with no one to gather up the fugitives. So again, he's talking to the Ammonites and he says, it's going to bring terror on you. And that's his declaration. So it's going to happen. It says from all around you, you will be banished. <laughs> You won't be able to go. There's nobody that will be there to gather up your 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 uh, lost, your fugitives. Nobody will be there. You can't go anywhere. But then again, this is interesting. In verse six, he says, "But after that, I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonites." This is the Lord's declaration. So, with some peoples and some nations, he's just saying, "You're going to get it. I'm going to wipe you out." With other nations, he's saying, "You're going to get it. I'm going to wipe you out." But a time is coming where I will restore you. So he says that to some, but he doesn't say it to all. I don't know why. Okay, <laughs> I have no idea. The next is his prophecies against Edom. Now Edom, they're the descendants of Esau, right? And so, but and so they should have been, you know, assisting Jacob. You know, they they're brothers, and so they should have been um, assisting uh, the Israelites, but they didn't. Okay, and so the Lord was upset with them. So we go on, and it says in verse seven, um, Edom is about wait, about Edom. This is what the Lord of Armies says. So what does he say? In verse ten, he says, "I will strip Edom bare, or excuse me, I will strip Esau bare." So he's talking about Edom. I will strip Esau bare. I will uncover his secret places. He will try to hide, but he will be unable. His descendants will be destroyed along with his relatives and neighbors. He will exist no longer. Let's drop down to verse 15. It says, I will certainly make you insignificant among the nations, despised among humanity. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. <laughs> In verse 17, it says, Edom will become a desolation. Everyone who passes by her will be appalled and scoff because of all her wounds. And... <clears throat> Unlike uh, the other territories and nations, the Lord doesn't say anything about restoring Edom. So take that for what it's worth. The next one, it says prophecies against Damascus. And so Damascus um, is the present day or was the capital of Aram. And it's the present day Syria. So we're talking about Aram here. And it says Damascus has become weak. She has turned to run. Panic has gripped her. Distress and labor pains have seized her like a woman in labor. In verse 26, it says, therefore, her young men will fall in her public squares. It says, all the warriors will perish in that day. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And so he's going to take care of them. Then he goes on to prophecies against Kedar and Hazor. And it says, uh, these, were, um, these were nomadic tribes of Arabia. And so they didn't have a permanent land. They just roamed around. And it says in verse 28 about Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor, uh, which King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon defeated. This is what the Lord says. Verse 29, he says, they being the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, they will take their tents and their flocks along with their tent curtains and all their equipment. <laughs> so he says, they're going to take their houses, you know, their tents and their, and their curtains, they're, they're going to take it. It says, they will take their camels for themselves. They will call out to them, 
Terror is on every side. So as they're taking their stuff, as they're taking their, their homes, their tents and their tent curtains, they're also shouting at them, terror is on every side. You're talking about adding insult to injury. And then in verse 32, it says, their camels will become plunder and their massive herds of cattle will become spoil. I will, get, I will scatter them to the wind in every direction. Then it says, those who clip their hair on their temples that must signify something, I don't know, um, will bring calamity on them across uh, all their borders. This is the Lord's declaration. And so he is not thrilled with Kedar and Hazor. Now we're going to see uh, prophecies against Elam. And so Elam is modern-day Iran. And so it says, this is the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah about Elam. At the beginning of the reign of King uh, Zedekiah of Judah, this is what the Lord of Armies says. He says, I'm about to scatter Elam's bow, the source of their might. And so apparently uh, the people of, that, of, the, uh, of Elam uh, were known for their archery. They had archers. And so they, they apparently were expert archers. And so the Lord says, I'm about to scatter Elam's bow. So I'm about to take their strength. I'm about to emasculate them. <laughs> and so it says in verse 37, it says, I will devastate Elam before their enemies, before those who intend to take their lives. It says, I will bring disaster on them. Um, I will bring disaster on them. My burning anger. It says, in other words, my burning anger is going gonna, is gonna to manifest as disaster on them. It says, this is the Lord's declaration. I will send the sword after them until I finish them off. So apparently he is not too thrilled with those people. But in verse 39, he says this, yet in the last days, I will restore the fortunes of Elam. This is the Lord's declaration. Why? I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I just see that he, he is uh, pronouncing his judgment against the various nations in the region and the territories. And some he says he's going to restore in the last days and the others he does not say that. So I don't know. So these are the prophecies coming from Jeremiah and uh, about the, um, the nations in the territory. Um, tomorrow we will pick up with what's going to happen with Babylon. And so Babylon has more uh, details with regard uh, to the prophecies against them. And so <clears throat> let's go to, to Romans uh, chapter 10. And again, I'm trying to make this a habit with regard to making sure that we all understand that when we have revelation that it's time, I need to come to the Lord. You can come. You don't have to go to a church to do this. You can do this at 2.38 in the morning as you just land in bed and just saying, I, I, I just have to do something about this. And all the word says you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. I'll tell you specifically what it says. It says the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we pro proclaim. If you, uh, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Verse 10, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salva uh, salvation. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same uh, Lord of all richly blesses all who call on his name. 
And so we're seeing a lot of distinction in the Old Testament between the Jews and the non-Jews. But the word in the New Testament here says there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody who calls on Jesus will be saved. And so if you just confess and said, Lord, I bless you. I thank you, Father God. I believe in my heart and I am now confessing with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe it with everything in me that you are coming again. Your word says that if I believe it in my heart and if I confess it with my mouth, then no shame will come to me as I will be saved. There's nothing more important you can do in life than to make that confession, in my opinion. And with that, we will pick up a word encounter tomorrow. That'll be episode 151. I believe so. So everybody take care. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.